Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn. I have a very special guest here with me today. We are joined by and have the pleasure of chatting with the CEO of Stanley Premium Western Forage, Dusty Stanley. Dusty, thanks for being here today. Hey, glad to be here. This is, uh, yeah, this would be great. Get to hear a little bit of history and what we're all about. Yes, I am really excited to have this conversation with you and learn a little bit more about your background, get to know you and just your journey through this whole experience of this business. And so just kind of get us started. What would you say is your earliest memory growing up and being involved in the Stanley family business? Because this business has transitioned a little bit over the years from Stanley Hay Company to Stanley Premium Western Forage, which we are now, but we also you know, are kind of under the umbrella of Stanley premium products. So tell me your earliest memory that you have. Yeah, pro there's uh, way too many to list probably. I mean, just growing up in the fields with cousins and friends and, you know, I actually started out working for my grandfather, um, raking hay and, and my grandfather and my father had different businesses at the time. So that was Stanley ranches and and then, uh, yeah, I worked for him for a couple years, and then I started with my father, and at that time, it was Western Alfalfa Farms. But, you know, oh, there's so many stories. We used to we used to travel quite a bit and put up hay in different areas in southern Idaho, and, I, you know, I remember uh, it was like 110 degrees one day coming home with a, a load of little bells, and we parked on a bridge over the snake river and you know, the trucks loaded up 14 foot high and we, uh, we climbed on top of the truck and jumped in the river to cool off. And I'll never forget that. It was, uh, it was fun. Just parked on the side of the road and went for a swim. That sounds like some good living right there. Yeah, it was. Sometimes you miss those days. Actually, uh, Pam in HR might not be real happy with me for sharing that story. I hope nobody goes and tries it again. But you know what, though? We live in a different kind of day and age now, right? So things that you probably could get away with then, now they're a little bit, they kind of raise an eyebrow and they're like, mm, I don't know about that. Yep. It's uh, changed a lot. But yeah, there's there's just so many memories with you know my cousins um, growing up and just bailing and raking hay with them and then still to this day just some of my best friends we'd uh, work and then go to football practice and then we'd work some more and just a ton of memories out there in the fields with with all of them that's awesome how old were you when you did start working for your grandfather I was 10 when I when I first you know raked hay with him and was that your first farm job was raking hay yep that was my first farm job raking hay I remember too, my, my grandfather, I, you know, once I got comfortable, I thought I'd get me one of those Walkman cassette players and put some headphones on and Ray K. And I think I lasted about 10 minutes. My grandfather seen that and he walked over and said, you can't be wearing those. You can't work or you can't hear the equipment whenever you're listening to music. Yeah. And so, you know, I took part of my paycheck, bought that, got to use it for 10 minutes and 
grandpa said no more. Dang. <laughs> well, and it's so much easier now because tractors just they have it in the the equipment and everything. So you don't necessarily have to worry about like, your, you know, headphones or anything like that. But yeah, that is, I mean, he had a good point, making sure that there wasn't anything bad happening in the background while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, he did for sure. We didn't have screens and all that stuff in the tractors then. So you kind of had to listen. Now, now this equipment pretty much tells you what's going wrong, right? Right. And then some tractors out there, they'll drive them for you. So you just get to sit there, which I'm thinking, man, I wish I was driving tractor when that was around. <laughs> yeah, very true. Well, yeah. Another sad but true thing is I, I don't even know that I could jump in one of those tractors and find the go button to it's let it drive itself. Ones. Yeah, I don't get to do that stuff anymore. Yeah. So if your career path didn't lead you to running the family business, what career do you think you would have pursued? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's all I know. So it's hard to, hard to say for sure. But I think, um, just business in general, I don't know what it would be, but I, I like talking to people and doing deals and, and, uh, you know, understanding markets and, and all that stuff. So I don't know what it would be, but it would definitely be in something, something in business just cause that's, that's what drives me businessman. Nice. So you mentioned that, you know, it's all you've ever really known and everything, but have you always wanted to take over the family business? Or did you think that at some point, cause I know that your dad kind of stepped out, you know, separate from your grandfather and everything as well. Did you always think that you would be in the family business or that you would start something on your own or? You know, I, I always, I always did enjoy it. I now was there days that maybe I thought, you know, what in the hell am I doing here? I mean, should I consider something else or, and, and there was, there was a few times that I stepped out and did some side jobs or worked for a couple other people. Now might only lasted two or three days. I didn't care for it much, but you know, there was those days that you wondered, but also it, it didn't go very deep. I mean, I always, uh, last, like I say, it lasted a day or two and I'd be back to back to being in the forage and in the fields and, and the plant and presses and, you know, everything. So did that generally involve um, when you went to go, you know, occasionally work for other people? Was that growing forage crops or was it other types of crops that you guys were doing? Um, no, I mean, I, I went out and covered some silage piles or helped cover some silage piles, um, you know, considered some other farms, but nothing. I never got very far away. That's for sure. Yeah. Can't get away from the hay, huh? <laughs> That's right. And around here, I mean, we're, you know, our Southern Idaho is all agriculture. I mean, our whole community is agriculture, so you just don't get very far away from it. Yeah. It runs deep here for sure. So what is your favorite time of year, like season when it comes to the farming business? I know you're not out in the fields as much now as you used to be and everything, but what's always kind of been your favorite time of year in the hay business? You know, summer is, summer is definitely my favorite time of year. Just, just, uh, you know, for example, we're starting water right now and I can be on, I, you know, I tend to drive the farms every evening or, or try to be out there somewhere and just the whole summer harvest and, and buying and selling and, you know, doing deals with other growers. You know, we have a grower network that runs deep as far as relationships. And so, um, being out with those guys and I mean, nothing's better than putting up just perfect forage and, you know, seeing it go in the sheds and 
getting ready to ship it out to our customers. Yeah, definitely. So when we had a chance, um, a previous ep- episode, we had the chance to interview our quality assurance manager, um, Brianna Rando, and Dr. Cubit asked her a really interesting question that I want to ask you as well. Um, what is your favorite crop to grow? Um, you know, my favorite would probably be, I really like uh, just small bill alfalfa when it's really, you know, just a perfect dew and coming up nice. I, I like the grasses, but I got to be honest, I have really bad allergies. And so <laughs> the, the hay guy is allergic to hay. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it, but I can't be around it too far. And I got to keep my bottle of Claritin close, but I like it all. But I would say just really nice alfalfa going in a bell. There's, there's nothing better. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Brianna said that her favorite one was orchard grass. And in the sense that like its seed head is so pretty. I was like, yeah, I I really like orchard grass. But I have another I have another great appreciation for alfalfa. It just has this nice, beautiful fragrance. And when it looks so green and great, just right there, cut in the field. It's pretty awesome. I like it, too. Can't beat the smell of fresh cut hay when you first start. It's uh, yeah. So that that would definitely be my my favorite and allergies do come into play, I guess. That's why, that's why I would choose that. I like it all. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Tell me about an experience that completely changed your mindset in your role as the CEO of Stanley. I don't know if it was one certain thing, Katie, I think learning to get out of the way, especially, you know, the business continues to grow every year it's complex and just just getting out of the way and and letting people do what they do i mean you know so at one point coming up through the business you feel like you kind of know everything and and know how everything works and and as you grow you kind of you don't have your finger on everything specifically every day and and you got to trust the team to get get the job done and our team just believes in what we're doing and where we're going. And, and the more you do get out of the way, just the better off the business is better off the team is customers. So that is the biggest lesson is have fun with it and get out of the way. I think that is such an incredibly great mindset for someone in leadership to have because, you know, you kind of have to trust yourself, especially if you're working to creating a successful business. I think it's important that you trust yourself to hire the right people and then allow them to do their jobs. That way it allows you to focus on and do what you need to do in the business. And I think that's the positive thing about, you know, having a team because everybody kind of has their strengths and weaknesses and you play to everybody's strengths on the team. And it's just like, it's like a powerhouse. So that's a wonderful mindset. Yep. It's, it is. And it's a lot of fun. And we've, you know, you kind of transition from, we're a family business, but also we've, we've got to run it, you know, based off the information. And so you got to run it by the information, the numbers and let people own their piece and, you know, continues to just take off. Yep. Absolutely. Right, wrong or indifferent. Yep. It's fun. That's that's awesome. So what do you think has probably been your greatest challenge in your career with Stanley Premium Western Forage? And how did you overcome that challenge? Probably, you know, just continuing to change fast enough, just because you did it one way 20 years ago, or even two years ago. I mean, it changes fast, right? And so you right. you got to keep an open mind and be able to embrace change and make sure you can change fast because it's really easy to to look in the rearview mirror and say, well, 
that's not how we did it four years ago. We did it this way, but you know, it changes. So you got to be open-minded to just everything. There is a different way to do things. And what we did 15, 20 years ago doesn't mean it works today. Right. There used to be a different way that we bailed and stacked hay and cut hay for that matter. We don't do that anymore, do we? <laughs> no, that's, that's right. By we hand. used to throw every single little bell, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Remember times going down to Nevada with a load of little bells and you'd throw them all off. Yeah. Well, you'd throw them on in Idaho and then drive down and throw them all off by hand in, in Nevada. So. Right. And Innovation is so important too in business. And so, and it's, it is a challenging thing. I think people can also get very kind of caught up in being in their comfort zone because where you're at is comfortable. The unknown is uncomfortable. And I think some of the most successful business owners are ones that are willing to take those risks where you kind of evaluate a lot of things, but ultimately you have to step out and jump at some point and, uh, that's definitely, I think, a, a challenging thing for many people in um, business or anything in life. It is. Change is hard, right? I think for anybody, it's easy to get in that comfort zone, but you just can't, right? I mean, when we when we started our bag products, we had two products and, and we learned really fast that we can't sit back and just have two products. We have got to, you know, come up with different forages. We got to meet our customers' needs through different packaging and types. And I mean, you learn that real quick um, if you want to grow the business. So, you know, now we talk about things like what is our new products in the two and three year pipeline and where are we, you know, where are we going with those and what do our customers need? And 15 years ago, we, we wouldn't have had those conversations. It was it was a few products and and an idea, so definitely uh, develops over time. So, what were the first two bag products that Stanley had? Very first two would have been alfalfa cubes and alfalfa pellets. Nice. What uh, what would you say has been your proudest moment in all your years with the family business so far? Um. I really can't name one specific moment, but I would say just just being the forage brand across the country and even even outside of the country, just being the you know the forage brand is it's a huge accomplishment. Um, our customers know Stanley Premium Western Forage, and they have an expectation for us to meet. And it's just it's pretty fulfill, fulfilling when you can go to Georgia or. Kansas or, or anywhere else and, and see our products in your local retailer. I mean, there's a huge sense of pride when you, when you get out and visit those places. I was actually in Oregon last week and toured some stores and it's, you know, you walk in the store and talk to the store manager or any of the staff in those stores and they know what the product is and, and who our consumers are. And that's really, really neat to be able to do that. So you mentioned a little bit earlier also about, you know, your relationships that you've built with some of the hay growers that we work with and things like that. But then also in this case, I have to say that at least in in my position, which I don't get to do as much anymore, but that was probably by far one of my absolute favorite things was being able to get out there and talk to, you know, the people in the retail stores. Those are the ones, you know, the ones that are actually really getting to interact with a lot of the people that are using the products. And then of course, also, you know, being able to go to any shows where we actually get to interact with the livestock and other, you know, and horse owners themselves and just getting to have conversations with them, learn about what's important to them, what their struggles are. 
that's something that has always been one of my favorite things working for Stanley for sure. Uh, that's a great point. I referenced that trip I was on last week and me and Jake Giles were on the trip and it was just, it was, we talked to four or five people in the store and it was just fun to, you know, get their perspective. How's the product working? What do you like? What don't you like? And we got out of that store and I told Jake, you know, just a two day trip getting out in the field. You just learn, you learn so much talking to people and seeing our products, you know, on display. So definitely, uh, it is fulfilling and fun to hear some of those stories and see the products. That's great. I'm glad that you and Jake had the opportunity to get out there and talk to them. So you have, you're married and you have two kids. Um, how is your immediate family involved with Stanley now? I think I have seen on occasion, your son has been out driving tractor, at least with your dad a little bit. How are they all involved? Yeah. So first, uh, you know, my wife is not involved in the business other other than when I come home grumpy or, or smiling, depending on the day, she is definitely shout out to her for just all the support that she gives me and the family. Cause you know, business and especially family business isn't, it is not a cakewalk. And so having that support behind me is, is huge. And yeah, I have a son and a daughter. My son is 12. My daughter just turned eight. Um, my son's name is Balin, ironically. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how we got it ingrained in him, but he, he loves being in the field. So last summer was his kind of his first summer, you know, turning him loose a little bit and being out all night and working with the guys and this summer he'll be raking more and spending more time in the, in the fields. But I don't know what we did or how he how we did it, but he absolutely loves being out and about. I mean, we can't drive five miles down the road without him talking about a tractor or a or a field or something. So it's been really fun to watch. Well, and I think it helps a lot when um, parents don't force or push their children to do any one thing. Uh, he has had such a wonderful opportunity to grow up in this industry to where he's just he gets to see it all in action. And if he wants to be involved, he can. And now that he's getting old enough where he does get to do more things, that's really great. I'm sure he is just loving the chances that he has when he gets to get out there on a tractor. Oh yeah. He loves it. Every time we, if we talk about taking a weekend in the summer or, you know, maybe short vacation or leaving, he's, he's always telling us, mom, dad, I, I got to work, so I'm not going to be able to go with you guys. And <laughs> it doesn't work in my schedule. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we got him a cell phone when he started working last year and he, as soon as he got it, his voicemail was, this is Balin with Stanley Premium Western Forage. Oh. Pretty, yeah. Oh. It's if that doesn't hit you in the feelers, I don't know what does. That's so awesome. He definitely takes pride in it. Yep. And just, it's fun too, because I was, I was pretty young when I started running Balin Cruise and worked with the guys and, you know, Juan and, I mean, there, there's just a lot of the guys that I grew up with out in the hayfield. There's, you know, they're still, they're the guys putting up the premium forage today. And so watching Balin work with those guys and, and get some of that experience is, it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. And we have a handful of employees that actually have been with Stanley for a long time. 
Yeah, we do. A lot of those guys out there, like I say, I was, you know, 15, 16 years old and they run all that stuff now and just amazing team and amazing people all the way through the organization. But, but at the field level, it's, you know, I, I want Balin to grow up and make sure he is hands-on and he knows how to drive a tractor and he knows how to put premium forage up, you know, it's important. So being able to watch that and see him do it, it's, it is great. That's so awesome. So let's um, take a slight detour here. So Stanley is not only available across the United States, but also worldwide. So share a little bit about what we export and who we serve with our export products. Sure. So we we serve um, dairy and equine in Asia, in the Middle East. Those are the two big markets, specifically China, Japan, Taiwan, you know, similar story there, just relationships in the early, I think, I think my first trip to Asia was in 2003 or four. And, you know, same story. I mean, just great relationships with those customers all the way through. I mean, you know, we worked hard to be a dependable supplier for those guys and, and it's paid off. We continue to do that. And we continue to have deep relationships with those customers. That's great. So what would you say has been your favorite international travel experience? You said your first trip was in, did you say 2003? Yeah, it was either 2003, 2004. What's been your favorite? Um, when you do it the first and second time, right? It's always, it's always just a, an amazing experience to be in another country and and learning cultures and I can't name anything specific, but it's always going, you know, going there the first or second time is always a special experience because you don't know what to expect and right. and you maybe don't know these people as well or these these customers. So that was always fun. And I did I did get to take Amanda, my wife, um to China and Japan here these last few years. And so her experiencing that was neat. Yeah, I bet that was fun to kind of see it from her perspective after you'd experienced it. I mean, I could definitely see how kind of the more the shock and awe goes down. But does it allow you then after you kind of get past that first like excitement level to then kind of see and experience things on a different level? maybe taking in things that you never would have before just because you were so overwhelmed with everything that was first introduced to you? Yeah, very much, very much so. I mean, you, you know, you learn that culture is, culture is a real thing, you know? I mean, you you don't realize that until you get into some other countries and, you know, maybe you, maybe you notice one thing about different culture when you see them in the U.S., but, you know, when you, when you go to their country and visit, you, you see it in, in a different light over time, especially because you start to understand just where the culture is and all amazing people. And most of what we see today is due to just culture differences. And, and sometimes I think if, if people would understand other cultures, we would, we'd be a lot better off. Agreed. Was there anything that you kind of had to learn when you went over there, like mannerisms, just because cultures are so different in how they interact with each other, how they greet each other? Were there any kind of those things that you kind of had to learn that sticks out to you? Oh, I can't think of, I can't think of anything too specific, just, just small stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know, taking your shoes off in Asia, you know, and 
sitting at the different tables and but nah, I, I can't think of anything too specific. You kind of just go with the flow and, and uh, you might get laughed at or get your hand slapped on a few things that you do wrong, but just go with the flow. Learn it. <laughs> Live and learn, huh? Yep. Who in your life has been your greatest inspiration? Tell us a little bit more about them. Um, you know, there's a few for sure. My my father and mother have been huge. My grandfather and grandmother also, but just my father's giving me the opportunity and stepping out of the business as well as he has. I mean, I I got to hand it to him for, I guess, you know, you grow up and he's my dad and we had... He taught me a ton. And then, you know, you always have them rough days where you might have an argument or two and not agree on something. But at the end of the day, he, when he decided to step out of the business, he, he did. And, and I don't know that, um, I don't know very many people that could make that trans transition as well as he has. And same with my mom, you know, she ran equipment in the fields when I was a baby and she was involved in the business in the early years. And, and so that's a, that's a big transition when you go through that. I mean, I, I can't imagine how big it is cause I haven't done it, but I, I watched them go through that and they were, they were uh, pretty amazing. Both of them at making that transition. Well, and it sounds like they made it fairly easy on you, which is great because I think that's one of the challenging things about having a family business. I mean, and that's agriculture in a nutshell, right? So many of them are family run. And so you come to a point where the older generation does need to step out and give reins to the younger generation. And that's not easy to do, especially when the younger generation might come in and start making changes and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, it seems like your dad has done a really great job with that and He's onto bigger and better things and keeping himself busy just like he knows how to do, right? Oh, yeah. He's still moving right along. He he uh, doesn't sit very long. He's he's also just a, a natural-born businessman, I think. Yeah, I think he gets more outgoing as, as the years go on. I think he it's almost like he thinks he's getting younger every day and not older. That's good, though. <laughs> That's a good mentality, you know? <laughs> Can't beat it. Yeah. So Dusty, you're on the local school board. What other community involvement do you do and why is being involved in your community so important to you? You know, I, I mean, our family has been here for, for a lot of years and just, it just being involved locally. I mean, we come from a small school, about 50 kids, a class, um, again, all agricultural based. And, and so just being involved and trying to help at the school level. Um, you know, Boys and Girls Club, we donate to many of the schools in the Valley. We support 4-H, the fairs. It's just, it's important to have that presence and, and support the community. For sure. And your kids, um, at least, I don't know, your daughter's probably not quite old enough, but is Balin, is he in 4-H? Um, yes, they, well, they were up until they won't be doing it this year with bailing out okay. working and Taylor is Taylor kind of likes her makeup and her girly stuff. So she's, she's probably not going to be the, she thinks she wants a horse, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Oh, she'll probably get herself a horse if she wants a horse, won't she, Dusty? Yeah, <laughs> she probably will. That'll that'll probably give in. That's where it all begins. <laughs> yeah, I'm in for a long road as soon as I do that. It'll be fun, though. <laughs> yep, it'll be great. If, uh, if you could go back in time and visit your 18-year-old self, what would you tell them? I would say learn more and learn it fast and 
take action. You know, at at 18, it was, I worked hard, but I had my fair share of fun too. And, and just looking back, you know, when you graduate school, learn as much as you can and learn it fast and take action on it because you can lose five or 10 years in a hurry if you don't get after it at that age. That's some really great advice. I think anybody, no matter what their age is, um, unless you have the personality to do it, sometimes it's easy to dream big dreams and talk about things. But that the key thing there is the action part. And so having that perspective at that age is, I mean, that's really going to set you up to really push and be successful in your life. However, you know, a person deems being successful, but that action is, I feel like that's a key word there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, success is, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, I guess. But at 18, just learn lots and push at that age because time flies, you know, I, I, when you graduate school, you think years a long time or, you know, even my kids, I mean, we take a two hour drive and it feels like a lifetime to them and, and just, just know that five years flies by and 10 years goes fast. And so take action when you're 18, go make it happen and learn lots. And time goes faster the older you get. I know. I'm I'm uh, 38 and I'm sitting here talking about how fast time goes, but I'm sure a lot of the listeners will, would say, well, you don't even know what you're talking about yet. Just wait. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even personally, you know, on my end, I say getting older as well when I'm really, I'm just a little bit younger than you, but it's more of the fact that for me having kids that's when things really picked up and just because I feel like once you have kids like your life instantly gets so much busier on top of everything else that you have going on and so just time it's it's a bit of a thief yes it is it gets hectic with kids sports and work and school and yeah especially with COVID right I mean they couldn't even go to school so it's it's uh, actually it's kind of been a long year as far as that goes I will say, you know, in a weird roundabout way, there's been a lot of negatives coming from COVID and everything. But I think the one positive I feel that has come from it has actually made me kind of force me to slow down, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, no, in this day and age, it's all it is fast paced. So that is a that is an upside. Yeah. OK, so last question I have for you today, Dusty. But if there was one thing that you could tell our Stanley customers, just leave our listeners with, what would you want them to know about what you do and why you do it? Well, our, our vision at Stanley is to provide premium forage for a premium experience. And that, you know, that really sums it up. I mean, we, and it's not only me, it's, it's the whole team here at Stanley. We, we want to make sure whether it's internally within our organization or with our customers, we want to make sure that we're providing that premium experience for them, premium products. And so just know that myself and all the way through the organization, we are working hard every day to provide that experience for all of you. Absolutely. I think that's a really good place to leave us at on the interview today. So for all of our listeners out there, I just want to remind you that if you have some ideas on topics or things that you want to hear about, please feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at stanleyforage.com. Um, we are so happy to be able to have this podcast and to serve you guys. And of course, like Dusty said, to 
provide a premium experience with premium product. And so um, Dusty, thanks again for joining us today. I can't, I can't thank you enough for having you on. Thank you. Love to do it again if, if needed. Absolutely. Catch you next time. All right. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.